Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. This is Helen, and this is Wine Face. I'm Helen. I'm the owner of Helen's Wines, which is a wine shop. In Los Angeles, we have two locations, one on Fairfax, one in Brentwood, and this is my podcast, Wine Face, where we break down the ins and the outs of wine. What's the 411? How's it made? Where's it grown? What are the secrets? What's the hot new tips? Also talking about entertaining. I mean, we're doing it all. Wine is about friendship. It's about bringing people together. And today, we're dropping some hot topics. I was recently in France, and France was my hand the whole time. No, I was in France, and it was amazing, and I want to talk about the entire trip, but I think it would be better if we talked about it in sections. And today, in Reflections on France, I would like to talk about a region called Bandol. So we're talking about Bandol because also Bandol Rosé is the shit, and it's all descending upon us. It's going to be a Bandol Rosé shit show, but in like the best possible way. Come May, (laughs) everything's rhyming today. (laughs) So Reflections on France, I just keep singing that song like, Reflections on, on Bandol France. No one knows that song. And we're also going to be talking about outdoor drinks. So what to drink outside, how to entertain outside. Just everyone wants to be outdoors now. So it's like outdoor drinks. It kind of took that from outdoor voices. But then I was like, outdoor drinks. So let me talk to you about Bandol in France. So I was in France. I did a tour to France, basically, in about eight days. Hit a bunch of different regions that I'd never been to went to inspiring winemakers that I already support, got my mind blown, ate a lot of cheese, uh, learned that Comte really needs to be aged a minimum of 30 months so that when you have a little piece of it and you break it, it it snaps. It doesn't actually make a snap sound, but if you have six-month-aged Comte cheese and you try and snap it, it just makes a frown. There is no snap. And according to a winemaker in the Jura, Jean-Francois Bordy, who has the most epic mustache ever, he was like, if there is no snap, it is not Comte. Uh, so learned about a ton of stuff. But then we landed in Bandol, and I was so excited to go Bandol. Let me orient you. Bandol is in the south of France. So think about you're having a nice time in Nice. It's a little bit farther west than Nice, and it's uh, recessed a, like a few miles from the sea. So it's not directly on the ocean. It's 
a slightly higher elevation, maybe at like 300 meters elevation above sea level. And it's an area that's super rich in history, in medieval times, you know, is all that jazz, like Robin Hood. Okay, Robin Hood wasn't there because Robin Hood is a fairy tale. But Bandal is really, really famous for two things. So maybe why you've heard of Bandal, most of y'all out there, is because Bandal Rosé is a thing. It's one of the most famous south of France, quote unquote, Provence style rosés. Now, when you talk about rosé, let me just sidebar here for a moment. When you talk about rosé, you're talking mostly in people's minds when they close their eyes and they see that pale seductive color and they just want to put on some sunglasses and get in a pool. They're thinking about Provence rosé. Rosé that's made in the part of France that's south along the Mediterranean called Provence. Bandal is if you were in Provence, the over arching region. It's pretty big. And then you zoomed your microscope in to one of the site-specific areas that the AOC or the wine law peeps of France designated as having a special elevated terroir. So it has its It's a zoom in area, whereas like around it, it's like the Cote de Provence. So you could have a rosé from there, but it doesn't have as good terroir. So Bandol, it's spelled B-A-N-D-O-L. We could start start a band called Bandol, my new club, Bandol. Bandol rosé is epic. So it's it's an area that's known for Bandol rosé, always a blend typically of Grenache, Mouvedre, and Cinso. Sometimes it's Grenache Syrah. It depends on who's making the wine. So Bandol Rosé is a thing. And then for red wine, um, Bandol Rouge is typically made from a grape varietal called Mavedra. Now, Mavedra is kind of sneaky. It's one of my favorite grape varietals in that you don't see it very often. When you have it and it hits and it's amazing, it's this perfect balance, especially from France and from the producer I'm going to talk about today. It's this perfect balance of medium plus body, subtle tannic structure, but then it also has this juicy fruit, not sweet, but a fruit component that's so giving, that's so similar in some senses to the sensation of Gamay, but a much darker fruit. So Mourvedre, it's just this really dynamic, amazing grape varietal. It's also can be found in California. There are some winemakers that are planting Mavedra. And those wines are bomb.com. Uh, they have a different expression, though. They don't take on as much of a tannic structure. They have a little bit more of a juicy, like, hey, I'm a goddess and I'm wearing a flowy Doan dress. I mean, I just, uh, sidebar again, I always want to just wear a flowy Doan dress, but then I'm like, is it is it too Maid Marian? We're just bringing it all back to Robin Hood. I don't know why Robin Hood's on my mind. I actually do because I went to Bandal and I felt like like we could be back in medieval times. It's a feudal state. There's princes and princesses and there's bow and arrows. So Bandal's cool. We went to visit this estate called Chateau Saint-Anne. So it's not, it's, it's one of the, um, oldest estates there. They've been making wine for, I believe, 16 generations, some crazy thing, same family. It's really, really quite an astounding place, uh, for so many reasons. It really, really blew my mind. But when we first arrived, they were like, Hey, let's, let us take you up to get a good sense of like what 
where we are and what Bandal is. So they drove us up into this park and we went up another like 150 meters in elevation and arrived at an old medieval village built into the top of a mountain. And then we hiked up into this village, which is so cool. And people still live there. And there was like one family that had been living there from like 1642 to 1925, like the same exact lineage of family. So insane. And we got up to the top and you look out and it's this epic vista of you're on this perch and then there's a sharp, sharp, steep drop below of craggly, scraggly, pine foresty nature. And it kind of scoops out into a bowl. And then there's some cliffs. It's almost like you're in like in front of you is an ocean swell and then you see some cliffs and then beyond that you see the Mediterranean Sea and you're looking out over at the port city of Toulon Um, but the craziest thing about going there was there was this little um, there were still remnants of the castle that had been at the top and there was a slit where literally it was only big enough to shoot bow and arrows out of it was made of stone and it curved, it it angled inward, and then it left a rectangular opening where an arrow could not enter, but you could just be like badass dude shooting arrows. So that was pretty cool. Back to Chateau Saint-Anne. So we were at Chateau Saint-Anne and we had the insane pleasure of tasting through so many different wines, white, red, and rosé. And meeting the two men, father and son, who are making the wine there right now. We sat outside amid 180-year-old trees. And let me just break down a little bit about Chateau Saint-Anne. For the Bandal region, they were the first organic and biodynamic estate. Now, this is super, super important because it's a trend that is really catching up with them in Bandal. Pretty much every great estate is now trying to convert to organic. But this family wanted to get certified. They got certified in 1964, and they were always committed to this level of excellence and this level of farming and quality of fruit. And and when I asked why there was such a commitment to this, they said that this is the way their family had always done it. They're best known for their super, like their old vines, Mavedra. Um, but they do make white wine, red, and rosé. What's crazy, when you turn in and you're driving up, their vineyards are all surrounding their house. So when it's called Chateau Saint-Anne, it means that the the vines are on chateau. So the, the vines are surrounding their actual house. So they live, work, farm the entire property around them. It's all bandol. So we're driving up, and you just see these old, gnarly, amazingly structured sticks, basically, (laughs) sticking out of the earth. Because at this time of year, the vines don't look like that romantic, leafy vine. Like we're not under the Tuscan sun with Diane Lane. I mean, we could be if we went back in July, but right now it just basically looks like sticks. But what was so dramatic is these are old and Mavedra has such expressive, it has basically two arms raised in the air, like those vines just don't care. And it looks like a of modern dancers. It's really, really breathtaking. Uh, the vines are super old. When this, uh, the, the, I'm posting on at Helen's Wine some photos of the vines, so go check it out so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, so we sat under this these 150, 180-year-old trees. We had an additional shade of an umbrella. We were surrounded by 
bushes. We were like in this cocoon of magic. We're eating salami and tart flambe. And then we start talking about the winemaking and we start tasting through wine. And we started with rosé. And I'm always obsessed with these wines. I'm always like, this is one of my favorite rosés. We are able to carry it pretty much all year round. They don't make a lot of wine, but for some reason, it's one that I just buy extra of and we sit on it and we keep it so we can tease it out little by little. So we tasted uh, 2017, 2015 rosé, and then, holy crap, they brought out a 1992 rosé. And you know me. I've talked about rosé on this podcast, and if you haven't heard that, just a little sidebar is the general rule is rosés are usually typically best consumed young. You want to drink them between one and three years of their release, tops. And the reason is, is they're not made with a level of seriousness to extend their aging. And now the exception to that rule is when you have a rosé that's from an elevated terroir zone. So Bandal is a perfect example of a rosé that definitely has the legs to age. And I'm going to tell you this 1992 rosé was uh, goddamn amazing. It was like salty, succulent, fresh, ripe. It was all these different notes of watermelon condensed with a salinity. It was clean. It was beautiful. It was romantic. I felt like I was wearing rose perfume and like running through a field. It was unbelievable. So that rosé is made from Syrah, Mouvedra, I don't know, Grenache, Mouvedre, and Cinso, I believe. I'll, I'll check the exact cepage. And cepage is the, you know, bougie French word for blend. So whenever, if you ever encounter that, if someone says, hey, what's the cepage on that wine? It's spelled C-E-P-A-G-E. And it's, they're just asking, what are the great varietals that are in that bottle? What's the blend? Or is it a single varietal? So cepage usually only relates to wines that have one or more, two or more grape varietals in it. Then we tasted the white wine, equally goddamn amazing, tasted 2001, 2008, 2017. I mean, wines of quality with insanely good terroir, the evidence that they can age is really just, just blows my mind. And then we went on to the red wines, which are always a hallmark for me. I, I usually tend more towards the rosé and the red, but I really reignited my love for their white wine that they make. And the red wines are made from 99.9% Mavedra. I mean, I guess they have a couple other great varietals in there, but the bulk majority is Mavedra. And we tasted 2012 vintage, 2013, 2016. And sometimes when you taste wine from Bandal, you know, another really famous producer is Chateau Prado or um, Domaine Tompier. Those are probably like the top two most quote unquote famous producers. You taste their red wines and they are so hard to drink when they're young. They are grippy and rippy and they have so, so much structure that it's, you have to, you're like forced to let them age. They're so full bodied. And it doesn't mean that they don't age into these spectacular, beautiful creatures. It just means that at the inception, it's really hard to get around to it. But Chateau St. Anne isn't like that at all. They're magical straight out the gate. They have so much elegance. And the cool thing that they do is they hold back some of their older vintages and then they re-release them. So we have the ability at Helen's Wines to have older vintages and these are a steal. I mean, this is some of the best money you could ever spend. Sometimes they are 50 or $75 a bottle, but it's a YOLO moment because you're, you are getting 
getting so much history in that bottle, this expertise. I think what's really amazing to me about the Chateau in general is that this is like a a place that is pretty much natural winemaking, right? They're organic, they're biodynamic, they are low intervention, they use wild yeast to start their fermentation, they use little to no sulfur. Um, so they're very low intervention. And I think a lot of people looking at the label, like they don't have some cool, snazzy little drawn up label would not necessarily be like, oh, that's natural wine. But it is. The crazy thing about their wines is they don't exhibit flaws that sometimes come with natural winemaking. And part of the reason those flaws come in, and they're mostly things like volatile acidity, which it also goes by the street name of VA, (laughs) real creative, right? Um, Or mousiness, which is something I can't actually tolerate. I don't like mousiness. Um, But these are all based on either something being unclean, so bacteria being in the barrel that you put the wine in to age it in. You know, it's good to clean the barrels before you put wine in there. Or it comes from lack of control of temperature, which in natural winemaking, you're not really supposed to mechanically control temperature, but it comes from the not being able to control temperature in relation to the amount of exposure to oxygen. And so when you encounter VA in an extreme form, it's like smelling nail polish remover. So if you've ever had a wine like that in, in a small dose, in a subtle accent, it can be really charming. And I actually think it's cool, but if it's too much, it means that the oxygen, oxygen has contaminated the wine in some it's it's it in some point in the winemaking the winemaker lost control a little bit and there's a lot of things that VA can come from but it's almost undrinkable and the the hard thing is that VA never goes away mousiness goes away but VA doesn't go away so what's amazing about Chateau Saint Anne is their wines are so pure and so beautiful and do not exhibit flaws. They use these old presses when they pick the grapes. They use these old, super slow presses um, that aren't mechanized and they're old school. I took a video of them. I'll definitely post it up. And they for sure have a little bit to do with the finesse that these wines exhibit. It controls the oxygen and they avoid VA completely. I just got to say, I hope everyone like brightens their day with a little Chateau Saint Anne because it, it, they're, the wines are, I'm almost speechless. I'm almost speechless. And it's such a good representation of Bandol in France. I encourage everyone to go visit. The other thing that was crazy, sidebar, is we were there and I asked uh, someone, oh, hey, can you tell me where the restroom is? And they were like, oh yeah, you just go up here and to the right. And so I'm like, okay, that seems weird. And there was this like big hulking uh, chateau behind us that looked like abandoned. But I was like, oh, that must be the house. It's just like not kept up. So I go to the right and I don't see a bathroom and I don't see an entrance. So I walk all the way around the chateau and I'm like, this place looks abandoned. And then I like walk back and I'm like, maybe I missed the turn. I encounter a doll's head in a tree. I mean, it really is like artists in residence there. Long story short, that was not where the bathroom was. I think I was being hazed by Chateau Saint Anne. Um, they wanted me to pee outside. No, I'm just kidding. I found the restroom, but it was an incredible, incredible visit. 
But I think being there and sitting outside really inspired me for what May and June are all about. And then folding into July, August, September is outdoor drinking, outdoor dining, being outside, feeling the sunset come gradually and loving that it doesn't really get dark until 8.30 or 9. It's one of my favorite things. So I thought I would talk about the important things for drinking outside, important things to remember. Now, most people would probably say use plastic cups. I say if you have a pool, then use like sturdy acrylic, like reusable plastic cups, plexi, because nobody likes broken glass in a pool. It's bad. I think you have to drain the entire pool. It's just like not a good scene. But if you're like me and you have a backyard, but you have no pool, I like using real glass because we're civilized and I don't like to have parties necessarily for more than 15 people. So a hot tip I have for you is go to Ikea or go online at Ikea. And we bought just sets of six really awesome tumblers and they're really inexpensive and I don't care if they break and they're, they look chic and they're just more sturdy and they're more sustainable than getting a plastic cup. So things that are important, one, what you're serving the drinks in. Oh, sidebar, if you're serving wine, you can also serve the wine in that because most likely you're going to serve casual wine. You don't need a wine glass. You could serve the wine in a tumbler and you could serve sparkling, rosé, white, red. When it comes to outdoor drinking, there are no rules. Then shade. Shade is cruche. If you don't have shade, you're going to be totally screwed. I think people get sunburned, they get sun damaged, and also it gets overly warm, especially in Los Angeles, if you're sitting in the direct sun. So you want to try and control the situation and the hang vibes by creating atmospheres amid the shade, be it if you have a table or get umbrellas. So shade is key. The other key thing is wherever you have the food. So where you're sitting should be shaded and then wherever you have the food should also be in the shade. If it's on the table under the umbrella, that's awesome. I'm always the big fan of the self-serve bar that is away from wherever you're hanging out with your friends. I think it's nice to have the ability to kind of get up and move if you want to get another drink. It also helps burn the calories. <laughs> so we usually put our self-serve bar in our garage. It's right next to the fridge um, that we have in there. And so we leave the garage door open and then we have our tables with our umbrellas set up so people can kind of go in there and get a break from the party. Or I would just pick any shady spot and put a little table there and you can set up a nice little self-serve bar. For outdoor drinking and especially during the day, I like to offer two wines max, a rosé and either a sparkling or a white wine. You keep it really, really simple. Keep them in an ice bucket. And you always have two backups in the fridge, depending like two bottles backup in the fridge, depending on how many people. And the only thing you really have to keep an eye on is the ice. Now, the other thing that I like to do, day drinking 101, is have a pre-batch cocktail. For some people, they don't want to drink wine. I totally respect that. And I think that having a cocktail is really festive, especially if you can pre-make it. So all they have to do is scoop ice into their glass and pour it in there. Springtime pre-batch cocktails that I think are insanely delicious are things like strawberry margaritas or spicy margaritas. And these are so 
simple to make. You get a good tequila or you could do it with mezcal. You juice your own limes. Now this is where most people make the mistake. They buy the store-bought lime juice. You juice your own limes. Then you make agave syrup, which is really easy. You get agave, you put it in a little saucepan, you put two to one agave to water and you heat it up so that it's all incorporated. What this does is it makes the agave less clunky and easier to blend in with the tequila and the lime juice. I also really love making margaritas with local honey because it's a really pretty flavor. It feels very summery to me and it helps everyone fight their allergies. So local honey, like an orange blossom honey or buckwheat honey is really good too. And to make a honey syrup, you would just do two to one or you do one to one honey to water because honey is more viscous. My favorite margarita recipe. Now, if you were going to do add anything to it, you can just muddle it in or add it at any point. Two ounce tequila, 0.75 fresh lime juice, 0.75 sweetener, whether that's agave or honey. When you're blending larger amounts of drinks, so say you're having 10 people over, you'd want to make 25 of those. You just do simple math, but you need to taste it because when you scale up a drink recipe and you follow it exactly, sometimes they end up too sweet. So just make sure you have extra lime juice to balance, like the acidity will balance the sweetness and then you could always add more tequila. My favorite thing that I am dying to make for my inaugural, okay, we've had a few outdoor entertaining sessions, but the next one coming up, I've been thinking about it. What I want to have and what I want to serve is a dope, dope ass Spanish rosé, maybe some sparkling wine, like a cava or a pet nat made in Castillon. And then I'm going to make pan con tomate, which is like heirloom tomatoes and you put them on bread and it's garlicky and tomatoey. Maybe some sliced habonic birico, seductive olives. You just have to put food out. You either put some food out that sits really well or you make a show-stopping food moment. So like people come, everyone's drinking, maybe there's like olives or snacks out on the table and then bam, show-stopping food moment could be as simple as like, oh, I made this dope-ass salad and then here's some epic cheese and crusty bread. Like that can be the food moment. Um, If you want to go all out, I really love making people tostadas because they're good at any temperature. So a tostada is like a crispy corn tortilla and you can make them. You just buy tortillas and you fry them in oil. And then I love making shrimp tostadas and it's an epic thing. We need to do more on that. I'm going to do a whole video on my shrimp tostadas, my outdoor dining. Anyway, I hope you learned a little bit about Bandol in France, South France. Think about it. Get some Bandol rosé. Think about some outdoor drinking. Be safe. Uh, this is Helen. This is Wine Face podcast, breaking down the ins and outs of wines. I'm, I'm looking for good vibes only. And I love the fans of this podcast. And listen, if you're in California, I want to offer you this super special thing. If you find sign up for my wine club in May, any date in May, and you sub, are a subscriber to Wine Face, you will receive a bonus bottle of Bandol Rosé with your first delivery. What about that? Now, to qualify, just direct message me at Helen's Wines with the name on your wine club subscription. Sign up now. It's at helenswines.com. This is Wine Face. 
This is Helen signing off. Please rate, review, subscribe. I want to hear from you what you want to hear about. And I'm out.